Hello and welcome back to You Dumb Dumb Podcast. You Dumb Dumb Podcast! Uh, okay. This time we are going to uh, break from history and talk a bit about current politics. Uh, one of the first things we're going to talk about is uh, Puerto Rico statehood. Uh, so first, uh, we got to give you a quick primer on Puerto Rico politics. Uh, Puerto Rico essentially has two political parties, but they aren't the Democratic or and Republican Party. Uh, they are the... Uh, actually, I don't quite remember their names because I'm dumb. Uh, but the, let's just call them the... And the names are hard to remember anyways. There's like the Progressive Party and the National Party. But the main point is that one of the parties is uh, pro-statehood, right? And then the other party is anti-statehood. So we'll just call them the pro-staters and the anti-staters for simplicity because no one can remember the progressive party or the national party. It's too complicated. Uh, So uh, anyways, uh, Puerto Rico has uh, sort of became a U.S. territory after the Spanish-American War. And ever since then, uh, there have been sort of calls to reform Puerto Rico's status because Puerto Rico is a territory, but territories were never meant to be a permanent thing. They were always intended by the founding fathers to be sort of like a temporary state, a temporary sort of uh, period uh, where before, where there was some people, but not enough to form a state. And so like, just like uh, under like, 50,000 people, maybe, and it can't be a state yet. It has to be a territory. It was it was different at different times, but Puerto Rico is permanently a territory and has population than more, mo- most states, which is weird. So it's this own weird little special thing, and uh, people have been calling to give it a different status. The main two factions that want to change it are people who want independence and people who want statehood. And the independence people were generally sort of radical and socialist, uh, like. Uh, but the the radical socialist independence movement never really got off the ground. They they tried to assassinate Harry Truman, and that's all they really did. That was very notable. Uh, and they did some sort of organizing in the nineteen sixties. But again, the the independence people really didn't do that much other than like a few acts of political terrorism. That's all they really are famous for. And they formed a small little socialist party that wins like two seats ever. Uh, But uh, anyways... Can uh, I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. Okay, so one of my favorite incidents of... uh, I can't remember the podcast where I listened to this, but there was an interesting podcast I listened to where they talked about the incident where the Puerto Rican independence group... Uh, bombed uh, New York City. So they flat out like exploded a couple bombs in New York City. Like this is basically domestic terrorism, basically. Um, but yeah, it's, never, yeah, it's, yeah. it's surprisingly not really well known. There's If you look at the FLN Wikipedia page, they talk about several bombs going off. Um, I don't think they... Uh, a police officer lost her, his eye in one incident. Um... Uh, I, um, and there were, uh, I don't believe whether, I can't remember the details from this podcast I was listening to, but they talked about how, I think there was an, another police officer that was killed in one of the other bombs, or maybe there was a, a bar owner who was killed. But anyway, there, there, it, would, it actually, I think would be a, a pretty big deal if this was going on nowadays. <laughs> but luckily they stopped bombing things. So, uh, okay, so back to you, JT, what were you, what were you saying? Uh... Uh, but yeah, so anyways, yeah, the, le- the leftist uh, independences uh, weren't really a big thing. The ma- again, the main thing that they ever tried to do is they tried to assassinate Harry S. Truman. That's probably the most 
inf- famous thing Puerto Rican independence ever did. And they also tried to at this on the same day they also tr- did an attempted coup on Puerto Rico, but it didn't work. The Truman survived, and the the governor who nearly got cooed and assassinated instead just implemented martial law and sort of cracked down hard on the independence uh, movement. Uh, but they, um, anyways, the main thing is that the independence movement, kind of due to that, has been become is more like a, a bit of a fringe movement. The main people who oppose Puerto Rico's current status are the statehood party, and. Uh, those have sort of it's the statehood party and the anti-statehood party have formed like a two-party system in Puerto Rico, uh, where the only real political issue is statehood. All the the pro-statehood people want to do is immediately hold an independence referendum on becoming a state. All the anti-statehood people do want to do is not do that, and also like maybe change themselves to like a slightly different form of territory, which wouldn't actually be that different. But anyways, um, that's sort of the, like, the main political issue in Puerto Rico has always been uh, statehood. And it, it currently is statehood. Um, and uh, in uh, 2016, uh, a pro and, uh, and over certain, not just in 2016, but like over time, there were uh, sort of numerous Puerto Rico statehood referendums, but they all were sort of flawed in various ways. The pro-statehood people always fucked them up somehow. Uh, right. The referendums always had some additional language in there that was mm-hmm. deliberately inflammatory. Yeah. The, like of the forum that we want to be uh, a state of the United States, but we also want everyone to know that the United States sucks for these various reasons. Right? Yeah, and yeah, so it's like they, the one of the I, I don't remember all of them, but the main two things I remember is there's one rep- referendum which referenced Puerto Rico being a colony which pissed off the anti-staters and made them boycott the referendum. And since the power to grant statehood lies with Congress, these referendums have to be completely non-binding. And they just sort of communicate a general will of the people of Puerto Rico. So if they get boycotted, their entire purpose is defeated. They no longer work as a referendum. They no longer do anything. More or Um, less. I mean, it's just... It's kind of an interesting scenario. Like you could argue that we should take, you know, some people argue that the United States Congress should take the referendum seriously, even if there is a boycott. Right. Because in general, like it's sort of like saying, well, because it's non-binding, that means there has to be no boycotts. But what is a boycott of an election other than just people refusing to participate, which usually you just say, well, we're going to ignore the. We're gonna. We're we're not gonna pay any attention to the people that didn't. That yeah. Didn't, well, the the thing is, if they really didn't want the, if they really wanted to vote no, they should have showed up and voted no, right? Well, the thing is, uh, like for example, uh, in the U.S., statewide referendums are binding, and so no one ever boycotts because that would be stupid. That would always hurt their cause, and so technically, Congress could hold up a vi- binding referendum, and that would make it so that it wouldn't be a problem. But. Uh, you're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves. The other referendum I remember it was a referendum, but they put too many questions on it. They put one question that was like, "Should we change Puerto Rico's status? Yes or no?" Which is too vague because there's multiple changes to status. There's like independence, right. there's statehood, there's also keeping Puerto Rico a territory, but a different kind of territory, which is liked by a lot of uh, anti-staters. Really like that proposition. 
for some reason they want to make Puerto Rico a commonwealth. I don't know what. Yeah, it it's, it's, it's weird. It's a deliberately vague. It's a deliberately vague thing. But anyways, uh, so the yes or no. Oh, sorry, that deliberately vague, deliberately misleading. Right, the, yeah. the referendum was for, was was kind of elaborately worded. It was almost like it was deliberately so, constructed to be misconstrued. And then then the second question was had three answers. It right. had independence. Yeah, I remember this. It had uh, statehood <coughs> and it had no statehood. But the pro- or and it had current status. But remember those anti-staters who really want like a commonwealth whatever that means? That means they all boycotted the second question and just crossed it out on their ballot. And so they're like 20% of the ballots were spoiled in this way or just completely spoiled. And so the referendum wasn't seen as legitimate. But bear in mind, through all of these referendums, one could make a rational argument that the vote was consistently for statehood, right? Because if you could say like, well, like every election, you know, that's like saying, well... We should not really count the 2016 election because some people didn't like either candidate and therefore chose not to vote. It's like, no, we just count the votes that were cast and come to the conclusion. And if any logical – if you say let's just ignore the, the people that choose not to participate in the election, the people that show up and participate, let's – what is their will? Their will is, was clearly for statehood. Among the, so among the non-boycotters – <laughs> the, the the vote was for statehood and usually the way elections work is we just simply count the votes of the people who participate and wish the non-boycotter wish the boycotters well and just say well okay your, your opinion doesn't really matter right um, so it's, but, it's it's a little bit of a weird rationalization that because some people chose not to participate in the election we should ignore the uh, we should ignore the election and pretend it didn't happen but anyway the bigger news is that this time around Nobody is declaring a boycott yeah. of the election, and, right? And the wording is very clear. Yeah. And there's no weird stuff condemning the U.S. Right. for making Puerto Rico a colony. There's no three different questions and not including a question that the anti-staters don't yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's no, no boycott. For whatever reason, no there's, nothing. No, there's no nonsense. It's yeah, a yeah. Very, it was a very straight – it's a very straightforward – they got to the point. They realized all the other referendums were bad. So they got straight to the point. Statehood, yes or no. That's right. a very right. clear-cut right. referendum. Yeah, if we, if it's certainly the case this time that there are no prominent political parties boycotting. And there, there, there could be some guys in a bar somewhere <laughs> saying, we're boycotting still. We're gonna, you can't get us to leave these stools. We're going to continue to sit here and drink, you know, margaritas or whatever. whatever what, what do you drink in Puerto Rico? I don't know. Um, but mojitos. We're going to drink our mojitos and not vote. But there are like the major political parties of Puerto Rico are choosing not to boycott it, to, to participate in the referendum, which is different from the past referendums where there's always been a major political party that says we're boycotting. And generally, right? and the, so the, and the, also, polling, the polling in Puerto Rico is generally like bad. But it, uh, it, the, the current polling has definitely shown that uh, statehood is definitely in the lead. Yeah. So, so yeah, keep keep it with a bit of a grain of salt because again, Puerto Rico polls aren't that aren't the best because it's sort of like a pretty uh, rural and poor country with not great infrastructure and like not not everyone has telephone lines and phones. But it's still it's all these things you're saying. That's so racist. Well, it's true. <laughs> you're stereotyping. No, it's true. Yeah. Puerto Rico is a poor country, and they have crappy infrastructure. Look, every, everyone knows this. But um, the point being that, like, this is actually an interesting piece of news that doesn't really make the national media. Like, this is JT and I have been thinking about this for a while, and we think everyone is looking left when they should be looking right. 
as to what would happen if President Bi- if Biden becomes the president, right? Which curling poll- polling, like 538 now says Biden has like an 87% chance of winning the presidency or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to go higher if the polls don't change, right? He's like, he said it would be more like 95% if the, if the election was held tomorrow. So assuming Biden wins, what is he going to try to do to have his be his legislative accomplishment? The, 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 the typical the, – the, if, if, the, what the media seems to be fixated on is this idea of court packing, that he's going to somehow expand the number of Supreme Court justices. Nah. Yeah, JT and I are both shaking our head. He like, just recently came out against it, actually. Yeah, like he, he will – I agree he'll want to have a legislative accomplishment, but I don't think as a legislative accomplishment we, we to violate a norm that has been observed for – what? How long have we had nine Supreme Court justices? Like almost – Almost Since like the, the 1860s, I think. Yeah, like oh, at least 150 years. Like for as long as there's been the de- – so we should have researched that, but sorry. Well, so anyway, for as long as – for a very long time, there's been uh, nine Supreme Court justices. But what is a more typical thing that's part of an American history that would – that Biden could do is just add more states, right? This is something that America has done throughout the history of America. We've add, we add more states. This is not considered do it all crazy and controversial. And the two, so this is an area where JT and I are discussing the, suppose the referendum passes, the easier one state, uh, there, there would be two states that Biden would, could try to add. One would be D.C. statehood, mm-hmm. turn the District of Columbia into a state. And this is a fascinating sub-issue in itself. This D.C. statehood becomes a very elaborate mind bender that you really have to wrap yourself around. Like, wait. Weird constitutional issues about defining Congress being yeah. able to define the district. And also the amendment that gives uh, D.C. its three electoral votes that would now apply to just like the president. Weird stuff like that. And you could also argue that D.C. statehood would be unprecedented because it would be you would create the physically smallest state in the union by a wide margin. Right. It mm-hmm. would it would population wise. It would be like, I think, the fourth smallest state or the uh, third, 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 the third smallest state. Vermont and Wyoming are smaller. Right. So it, it wouldn't be D.C. Making D.C. state would not make it crazy, crazy small. But. You know, you, you could argue that, look, D.C. is making – it would be physically very small. It would be sort of peculiar to have a city that is itself also a state. And you could also argue that D.C. has electoral college representation. So the people that live in D.C. aren't wholly unrepresented. They just have they, – they, arguably they have an overabundance of representation in the electoral college. You know, they get three electoral college votes. Not everyone knows that. The main, but well, the main, the main Republican uh, Party argument against DC statehood is is still bullshit. It's still based on partisan stuff. If DC was ninety percent Republican, all the Republicans would obviously be arguing for it. Yeah, but yeah. Let, me, let me continue. Their main argument against it is that it would be sort of constitutionally unprecedented, like that the founders wouldn't want it, which is. Again, Weasley, the founders probably were kind of upset when we gave, like, women the right to vote and gave African-American people equal legal rights. They were probably pissed about that, but I think that, history- that shouldn't determine whether what we're doing. But, but I- anyway, it's a better argument than Puerto Rico statehood. Puerto Rico statehood, their argument against it is basically... Puerto Rico is too poor. Yeah. Which is the stupidest argument ever. Are we supposed to kick West Virginia out of the Union? Yeah, exactly. Are we supposed to kick Alabama out? No, it makes no sense. Yeah. It's it's completely nonsensical. Are we supposed to kick out states that have too low credit ratings? No, we never never do that. That's not part of American history. New York City gets kicked out of the Union in the 1970s for going bankrupt? I don't think so. No, exactly. Like, financial and, and and... We're adding to the national debt at, like, huge rates right now. And we're not going to change... 
you know, adding Puerto Rico, even if we nationalize Puerto Rico's debt, it's a rounding error to the national debt. Mm -hmm. And it's simply a case that right now, the people of Puerto Rico are, are Puerto Rico looks like exactly like historically what we've called a territory that should be constituted into a state. It is physically close to the United States. Mm -hmm. It is a lot closer than Alaska. It is a lot closer than Hawaii. I mean, um, it's the people who live there are citizens. It's a territory, which the whole purpose of making territories is a precursor to states. That's explicit in the Constitution that one of the way, how do you add, you can add states and what you first do is organize them as territories and then eventually bring the territories in as a state. And if the citizens of Puerto, if the people of Puerto Rico aren't going to be given independence, then why should they be given this kind of weird legal limbo status where they're citizens, but they have no vote? I mean, citizens that have no vote are generally neglected during times of yeah, national the, emergency. In fact, the UN uh, denationalization, de, um, decolonization committee, the, U, the, 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 the UN committee that they set up after the World War, World War II to oversee decolonization, like in the British colonies and the French colonies, they've been very historically and current very pissed about Puerto Rico. They're like, this is basically a colony, guys. You gotta give it statehood or independence. Yeah, the only rationalization for not doing something with Puerto Rico earlier is that we we're try is that is that these referendums are always been turned into yeah. a mismatch. So you can say, well, we need to sort out what the people of Puerto Rico and want. Fact, the people of Puerto Rico can't seem to decide what that, they want. That, that's that's been the argument both Republicans and Democrats have had for ages. The party platforms of the GOP and Democratic Party have both had a. Uh, Self-determination for Puerto Rico clause, which is basically like In other Puerto words, Rico can if become they a state be, or independent if they want. Exactly. If they vote for it. If clearly. they really want a state, we'll let them be a state. If they really want to be independent, However, we'll let them be independent. There's nothing in there that says if they really want to be a state, we'll let them be a state as soon as they suffer through um, crippling fight, austerity. Fight, yeah, as soon as they suffer through crippling austerity so they get their debt in order. No, that's absurd. Like, that's insane. Like, you know, like, so, uh, and, and bear in mind a lot of Puerto Ricans have moved to Florida subsequent to the hurricane. And th this is a voting pool that's going to come online in Florida, and it's going to make it very difficult for the two Republican senators to go, to well, go no, against no. Puerto Rican state. Let me, let me talk assuming about, that th this let, me, let me actually talk about that. So technically, you'll be surprised to hear, technically the GOP platform supports Puerto Rico statehood. However, that's sort of in theory. In practice... Trump opposes Puerto Rico statehood, though that won't matter if Biden gets elected. But what's far, far, far more important is Mitch McConnell opposes Puerto Rico statehood. And Mitch McConnell His is... His argument being they're too yeah, poor. Yeah, that, 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 he's the too poor argument guy. However, it's, it's also more complicated than that. In the Senate, basically every single Democrat supports Puerto Rico statehood, even like the moderate ones like Joe Manchin or Kristen Siema, which makes sense. Uh, but also some Republicans support it. Both of the two senators from Florida are supporting Puerto Rico statehood. I wonder why. It's almost like they have a huge population of Puerto Ricans right. in their state. Yeah, they're right. no dummies. So they both support Puerto Rican statehood because they want to win re-election. Re re they're, they're, they're not stupid people. Um, but also there's some other senators who've expressed some support. Like I think the, the non-Lisa Murkowski senator from Alaska did. But uh, I'm not sure what the rest of the Republican senators will say about it. I, they haven't like, really made public statements. But I, 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 bet, I bet you could split off like a few moderates. Like I bet the Democrats could split off like uh, uh, Murkowski and uh, I mean Rob, obviously uh, Romney. Romney. I mean Romney is an internationalist. Romney is not you know a parochial person. Romney's like uh, his family actually has roots in Mexico. I believe um, – I'm not sure if he's a fluent Spanish speaker. I think he is. 
Um, if he's not a fluent Spanish speaker, he surely has close friends that are fluent, mm-hmm. fluent Spanish speakers. You know, this is not somebody that's like that. This is somebody that clearly has a lot of stamps on his passport. You know, I would be stunned if Romney does not support Puerto Rican statehood. Yeah, I so I, I also agree. I think I'm. But the, the main problem with this is that. Uh, the Democrats will absolutely have way more than an absolute majority in the Senate because they'll have like at least around 50 Democratic senators and then they'll have uh, quite a few GOP moderates and that'll be more than enough to get an absolute majority. The main problem is if they can get 60 votes for Cloder because the U.S. Senate is a weird place right. where so most is- votes have to if – if people don't know, most votes in the U.S. Senate – Except for, like, a few ones related to, like, taxes and stuff. Uh, most votes in the U.S. Senate uh, are, are instead uh, subject to uh, supermajority votes. Yeah. Uh, which is 60 votes to pass something, which is ridiculous. Because it's really hard to get 60 senators to agree, agree on anything. And so barely anything ever passes in the Senate. So this is what we're talking about. The 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 JT used the term cloture. The more common term that people talk about is is um is the filibuster, right? Well, no, there are different things. Cloture is uh, cloture is, is how you is, get, is how you is how you shut how down you the bust filib- a filibuster. Yeah, how you yeah. destroy a filibuster. But what they what they're talking about in the in in the more top lo- in the more you know uh, accessible, less wonky political normal mainstream media is. Will the Democrats get rid of the filibuster if they take mm-hmm. the majority in the Senate? Which- because the thing is, the filibuster, to pass things when the filibuster is active, you need 60 votes, right? But to get rid of the filibuster, you only need 51 votes. Yeah, it's a strange. Which is, which is completely strange. You're like, wait, what? That makes no sense. Right. Why wouldn't people get rid of it? Because the main problem is they're concerned that once they get rid of it, their opponents can also use it to pass laws once they get into power. So it's like sort of a double-edged sword. So here's, so, but here's the crazy logic of, of <laughs> here's the crazy logic that JT and I have been playing out, which is this is so let's let's bear this in mind. Suppose the conversation goes like this: Democrats, we want Puerto Rican statehood. A, 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 a sliver of moderate Republicans, yeah, we kind of want Puerto Rican statehood too. Like particularly Republican state Republican senators who care a lot about their. Uh, legacy like Romney or just ones who want to stay in office with the new with all the Puerto Rican voters in their home state like Florida. So that gets you easily well past the majority with those two people, the, the, the sliver of, of uh, a sliver of Republicans and all the Democrats. But that may, suppose that doesn't quite reach 60. Then what the Democrats say is then and the rest of the Republicans led by Mitch McConnell say no to Puerto Rican statehood. Mm-hmm. Then the Democratic leadership says Okay, if you don't give us Puerto Rican statehood, this is what we're going to do. If you don't break cloture and let us at least have a, a vote, a 50-50 vote on Puerto Rican statehood, this is what we're going to do. We're going to ditch the filibuster, and then after we've ditched the filibuster, we are not going to we are not going to stop at Puerto Rican statehood. We are also going to add um, Washington, D.C. statehood, which means we are going to create four new senators, and we think our party is best poised to win those four new senators, so now we're a lot less worried about your party taking majority control of the Senate because we're adding four senators that we think will be um, in favor, uh, will vote for Democrats. Mm-hmm. And the, so, main, the main so this problem might, with that, though, and, is... And so, uh, so, so just to play out the, the, the story, I think at that point... What would happen is the Republicans would back down and the Republicans would say, OK, 
we'll let you have Puerto Rican statehood, but not D.C. statehood if you don't destroy the filibuster. And that is my that's my bet on what's going to what will happen. Like I, Biden I, will settle I, I, I for D.C. So. statehood. I think that because he's not a fire, he's not a fire breather who wants to destroy the filibuster. Well, I, I'm not sure. Maybe I think if a filibuster vote comes up, it is literally going to be nice edge. It's going to depend on one senator. Because remember, if the Senate is tied 50-50, Vice President, which would be Kamala Harris, unties the Senate. And right now, the Democrats, if the Democrats win all the seats they're expected to, they'll have, it'll be excruciating. They'll have 51 Senate seats, right? And there's three, every Senate, Democratic senator has said they are okay with getting rid of the filibuster, but three. One of those senators, John Tester, says he's open to it if the Republicans stonewall. So basically, he's for it. Right. So that would be 49 Democratic senators in favor of the filibuster, just one vote short. And so they would need one vote of Manchin or Siema, right? And Manchin is this diehard opponent of the filibuster. He's voted against it every uh, single time. No, diehard supporter of the filibuster, I mean. He's voted against the nuclear option of removing the filibuster every single time. And so it will all come down to, in the end, uh, Christian Siema of Florida. Of of Arizona. And that's my opinion. Uh, She's sort of said some things against it, but uh, who knows? Maybe Biden can change her I think Puerto Rican statehood is not big on people's radar screen right now. Mm -hmm. What the, the, essentially the prediction we're making here is that Puerto Rican statehood will become huge in in the political maneuverings of the new Congress and the new president, assuming mm-hmm. things play out like the polls predict, because Biden wants will want a legacy, mm-hmm. and this it will be the Puerto Rican statehood will be the hardest part of his agenda to deny. It would be so bizarrely breaking with all historical precedent of our country to deny an admission to a territory who has been waiting to be admitted as a state for years and years and years, simply because the territory has. Um, uh, a financial situation that we think is is precarious. Mm-hmm. Like this does not make any sense. Like the it's so I do not think I think that that's why I think everything will hinge on Puerto Rican statehood. And I think the Republican opposition to Puerto Rican statehood will break down because they'll realize that if they if they filibuster Puerto Rican statehood, then the moderate Democrats will break the filibuster. And once the moderate Democrats break the filibuster, who knows what else will happen? Uh, I, I mean, I'm of the opinion that I'm not sure about Puerto Rico statehood. I think the referendum will probably pass. Uh, I think there, there's, there's going to be two uh, chokeholds. The main first chokehold is how many moderates are actually in favor of Puerto Rico statehood. Because we have no idea. Like we've Moderates? Had, what are you talking about? How many Republicans will vote for Puerto Rico statehood? Oh, we just talked about that. We're not going to go. Okay, no, let, me, let me finish that real quick. Uh, I mean, it's obviously going it, to get it, 55 votes for Puerto Rican statehood. Obviously 55, but like w- my, my main thing is I'm not sure. I think they could get 60 votes and then the filibuster wouldn't become. A no, I'm issue. saying McConnell will release five more votes. There's, there's, there, you're going to get 55 senators that really want to go on the record as supporting 50, Puerto Rican statehood. Because mm-hmm. you're going to get all of the Democrats who are going to see it as a social justice issue. Like we can't we have to allow these poor brown people to have like full citizenship. I mean, this is just such an obvious social justice issue. They're poor. They're brown. They don't have full full, full citizenship. What? How else could you describe? I, I mean, mean, I get canceled 20 years later for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> are people in Puerto Rico not brown? I mean, come on. <laughs> Okay, but yeah. So, anyways, are they not poor? Let me let me, let me I mean, continue. This is like, uh, let me continue. I mean, uh, 
the optics of denying Puerto Rico full, Puerto Rico's full citizenship is freaking insane. I mean, they sort of have full citizenship now. I mean, I was in the army with some guys who were from Puerto Rico, but the reality is they don't have full citizenship. They don't get to vote for president. They don't get to vote for Congress. They have. They don't have representation. It's insane. But so, yeah, so anyway, so I don't see. I, I I just don't see the the um the moderate Democrats. Are, I think are willing to blow up the filibuster to get Puerto Rican statehood. Um, and that's why. That's why um, I think McConnell backs down mm-hmm. and allows um, and instructs and doesn't filibuster Puerto Rican statehood. Just lets it go to a vote. Two things. I think that. Uh, you're underestimating the amount of Republican senators who might support Puerto Rico statehood. I think it's quite possible that filibuster never even becomes an issue of Puerto Rico statehood yeah. because they well, peel off uh, enough Republicans yeah, to get Yeah, now we're just arguing vote. about how they but talk to sure. each other behind if closed they, doors. If they do get the filibuster vote, I'm not sure. Again, my opinion is it's all going to come down to Christian Siema. Unless the Democrats get 52 votes, and in which case they're set. But if the Democrats... There's no way that Christian Siema blocks Puerto Rican statehood. There's just no way. Okay, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's... Uh, like, I think you're underestimating the social justice issues that will come up. I think it'll be more... D.C. statehood will be more interesting. I think that's also going to be on the agenda. Mm-hmm. And I think that will be the one that, that the progressives will really... And things like D.C. statehood and packing the Supreme Court. I think Biden will be reluctant to pack the Supreme Court. I don't no, think he'll do it. No, he's not doing that. He might try to pass... If, if Biden gets rid of the filibuster, though, he'll absolutely pass D.C. statehood. If, I, mean, if the, if, I mean, if the filibuster goes, they might pack. I mean, who knows what Biden will do if the they filibuster will, they goes. They won't pack the court. Biden's, Biden's not a pant packer. And neither Chris Siema and, and Manchin won't stand for it. Uh, expect if Biden gets the Senate and wins the presidency, expect all Democratic things to hinge on Siema and Manchin. I mean, but look, think about the, just from a game theory standpoint, the Democrats really feel like they need to accomplish something. Puerto Rican statehood is so reasonable that it's sort of insane to say, like, why, are we, why can't we get Puerto Rican statehood? If the only way to get Puerto Rican statehood is to blow up the filibuster, then they'll blow up the filibuster. If they've already blown up the filibuster, now they're afraid of what the Republicans will do with the majority Senate. So what's the, what's the first thing that they should do after they've blown up the filibuster? They should try to make it harder for the Republicans to take control of the Senate. How do you make it harder for the Republicans to take control of the Senate? You add D.C. as a state as well because like the, the, the Republicans at least – have a shot at getting uh, senators from Puerto Rico. The Republicans have no play at getting senators from D.C. Yeah, but like, now, now that, that brings us to our last topic, I think, before we sign off, is that everyone always assumes Puerto Rico will be a deep blue state. Like, everyone's like, oh, Hispanics, deep blue state. Oh, yeah, so let me give it no, the part of my no, prediction. No, let me, let, me, let me get into this. Uh, Puerto Rico has a very strong sort of local Republican Party. Again, Puerto Rico, I already told you earlier that there was a pro-statehood and anti-statehood party. That's true, but there's also a local Republican and Democratic Party. I know, it's extremely confusing. Some people are pro-staters while being Democrats. Some people are anti-staters while being Republicans and vice versa. It's, it's all over the place. It's like there's four political yeah, parties. Yeah, I mean, insanity. is the current governor of Puerto Rico a uh, Trump supporter? Yeah, the current governor of Puerto Rico is a pro-statehood Trump supporter. Yeah. It's, but it's, the, the person who's going to win the election almost definitely is... Uh, Pedro Pelosi, who's uh, a pro-statehood Democrat and also, like, corrupt as hell. That's the two things he, he does. He's sort of like a wily career politician yeah. who's famous for enriching himself well in office. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyways, let me continue. Uh, but the, my main point is that the, the Republican Party of Puerto Rico is nothing to scoff at. The main thing is the resident commissioner from Puerto Rico, which is Puerto Rico's representative that can go to Congress and, like, do nothing. The, the representative can just kind of sit there and, like, twiddle their thumbs. Right, right, They right. have no power except for voting in committee. Um, 
But anyways, the um, they're called the resident commissioner, and the current one is a pro-statehood Republican. Uh, so the, the Republican Party in Puerto Rico is decently powerful, and they already have, like, a, a pretty high-up elected official. Um, the main thing is, who is Pelosi going to appoint? Because once uh, Puerto Rico becomes a state, it'll have two open Senate seats, and those will be appointed by the governor, presumably, uh, in lieu of a special election. I'm not sure how that will work exactly, but the governor will have two Senate appointees. Uh, and there's been all sorts of things of who he would appoint. He could, right, if so the Democrats part, get to him... Be, this could be part of the compromise. Yeah. You can imagine a situation where the Republicans say, okay, fine, we won't block Puerto Rican statehood. In fact, we'll help you pass Puerto Rican statehood. But you have to, when we, when we, when, you have to let us pick one of the two senators. Yeah. Uh, Pelosi, that, that, would, that, that is, in fact, my prediction. That Puerto Rico becomes a state and it gets initialized with, with one, the Republicans... It gets it enters the union with one Republican and one Democratic senator until the next election. That that's possible. Uh, I, I could yeah I could definitely see that as a discrete possibility in the in the uh, filibusters never even invoked because they get past sixty votes scenario. That's definitely a possibility. Uh, and if you get past uh, if if we go through the brute force and the Democrats actually destroy the filibuster, I'm not sure. Uh, I think Biden will definitely both Biden and the Republicans within Pelosi's pro statehood party. Well, let's not talk about. We'll what both happen. be bothering him about appointing two Democrats versus a Democrat. And a yeah, Republican. let's not. I'm let's not, not sure. See, this I think the destroying filibuster scenario is more unlikely. I think what's more likely, Biden is very much a compromising sort of person, and I think uh, if all he needs to get the Republicans on board with Puerto Rican statehood is giving them one senator until the uh, the next election for senators. I'm not sure how the scheduling of that would work, but I can't imagine that senator would sit there for more than two years before he has to face re-election. I think, you know, Biden's going to say, yeah, I don't care if you have a senator for two years. Like, that's going to be, we think that's going to be a more of a, a better state for Democrats and Republicans. We're happy to add that state to the union. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it'll be a better state for Democrats than Republicans. It will be. But don't count out the state Republican Party. It's going, the state Republican Party is going to be, the the Republican Party of Puerto Rico is going to be like the Democratic Party of Montana. You can quote me on this. The Democratic Party of Montana can never win nationally. However, they can frequently win senators and win governor's races. Well, they never, they never elect the president, but they sometimes yes, elect senators. Yes, exactly. And they, that, and they that is my point. Elect governors. Yeah. That is my point on the Puerto Rican. Yeah, us, which, is all, which is all the more reason why the mm-hmm. Republicans won't go to the mat to stop Puerto Rican statehood. But yeah, if, 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 say, if they no, actually, if they actually research the issue, oh, don't overestimate the Republicans' intelligence <laughs> and yeah, knowledge of Puerto I, I Rican mean, the, politics. I think the logic is like, why, why are we destroying the filibuster over this? Like, you know, and I think. I think, and this is the final piece of jujitsu. I think actually there are leadership people in the Republican Party who want the Republican Party to move away from being the party of Donald Trump. And what better way to move the Republican Party away from being the party of Donald Trump if not to give them um, a state, add a new state to the union, which completely rejects Donald Trump, right? I mean, then future Republicans, when trying to run for president, will take into account like, hey, I might need to be able to compete in Puerto Rico. And they'll be, and they'll, the Republican Party will say, hey, we should need to try to win senators from Puerto Rico. You know, like, Puerto Rico will be close enough to a swing state that it might change the tenor of the whole Republican Party and who ends up leading the Republican Party going forward. And so that might also be part of why the Republicans allow Puerto Rico to become a state, because they're trying to incentivize the Republican Party as a whole to move away from the sort of leadership of Donald Trump and move towards the sort of leadership that a Marco Rubio would provide. Yeah, maybe. I'm not I'm I'm less certain about that, but 
Generally, I think Puerto Rican statehood is likely to pass, if not on the 60 vote I, uh, of margin on the filibuster breaker. Uh, but anyways, it's a very interesting thing. And um, I think that it'll become a very sort of uh, somewhat competitive, sort of lean Democrat state if it gets admitted. To yeah, the it'll have five. And it'll definitely shake It'll up. have seven electoral college votes, probably five representative, five yeah, members. Seven of the House or six, I think. It might yeah. actually have six right. instead of seven. I'm so it'll sure. make the electoral college a little bit bluer. It'll make the um, which will ha- make the Democrats happy. Um, it'll make the um, the Senate seat was Senate's will be more competitive for Democrats and Republicans, but the Republicans won't be fully blocked out. And then who knows how the house will break out, right? But yeah, who knows? Okay, so that's, that was so Puerto Rican statehood. It's not in the news. It should be in the news. This is uh, the you dumb dumb prediction that Puerto Rican statehood will be the hot issue come twenty twenty one. Come February twenty twenty one, you won't be hearing people talking about court packing. What you'll be hearing talking people fighting over is that'll be like the Obamacare of Biden, right? Obama like fought hard, went to the mat, like made a lot of people twisted a lot of arms and got Obamacare passed. What Biden is going to arm twist over is we think it's not not court packing and not even D.C. statehood necessarily. It'll be the easier way to add a blue state, um, the easier way to add increased social justice, Puerto Rican statehood. It's a time that's finally come. Okay. You dumb dumb. You dumb dumb.